Hey everyone, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Tuesday, August 31st. Today is the day that the Taliban has instructed the United States to be out of Afghanistan. And there are a lot of things to talk about. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Washington State was once admired for its public schools, its thriving economy, the safety of our cities, and our raw natural beauty. People wanted to move here. Now, they want to leave. The truth is, the radical left has been chipping away at our great state for a long time. They spent literally the last 30 years dismantling brick by brick the very virtues and values that made Washington State a sought-after place to live and work. The Democrats' assault on public safety through the demonization of police officers trying to do their job is threatening to our peace of mind and to the safety we have long enjoyed in the district. In fact, the disastrous policies of woke bureaucrats have emboldened criminals by allowing them to avoid conviction and incarceration. I've had enough. We can do better. The dream that Martin Luther King had for this country is quickly fading as once again we're focusing more on skin color than on character. Have you had enough? Because the left is just getting started. Our constitutional walls have been breached. Even our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms is being threatened. I've had enough. This must not stand. It's time for a change in leadership. And the only way to combat the bold, hostile takeover of our American way of life is to elect bold leaders who love this country and are willing and ready to fight for her. I'm Heidi St. John, and I'm running for Congress because I know that together we can turn the tide and restore America to the values that have made her the greatest nation on earth. If you've had enough of weak Republican leadership and dangerous Democrats, I invite you to join me in the fight for the soul of America. There's no time to lose, and I'm just getting started. This ad was paid for by friends of Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys are here today. So many things happening in the news. And uh, and we knew, you know, several several days ago, the Taliban really, you know, giving the Biden administration, they're just, it's a ticking time bomb over there, right? And they're giving the Biden administration uh, to today to uh, get our troops out of Afghanistan. And this, of course, contingent on their cooperation with our efforts to evacuate the thousands of Americans and our Afghan allies from the airport in Kabul. Well, we, we listened, I mean, a lot of you did with horror and it's been a couple of days since I recorded this podcast. So anything could have happened. I mean, things are, are moving very, very quickly. Um, but Biden's speech from the white house came shortly after his meetings with leaders from the G7, the United Nations, NATO, and the president said, that U.S. forces and their allies were, quote, currently on pace to finish evacuations by his original deadline. Now, this was a couple of days ago, and he was saying, you know, that delays would exacerbate a risk of a terrorist attack on the airport. It, duh. <laughs> so it's, it's like, do you think that we're do you think that we're hanging out with somebody who cares about us? No, I don't think so. So obviously, you know, we've got an administration of we're, we're doing what Obama did, which was to lead from behind. 
And as I've said, you know, many, 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 many times, this is an embarrassing moment for the United States on the world stage. This is a shameful moment, frankly, for our country as we have appeared and not just appear, we are weak because we have a weak leader. As I said, anything could have happened by now. It's it's almost impossible to know what the, uh, the Taliban is going to do. But we've got American citizens stranded over there and we need to be praying. And a lot of you, you know, sp- speaking up and frustrated and we have every right to be frustrated but our weapon men and women is prayer and i at the time that i recorded this i think there was a, a little over 4000 americans who had already been evacuated out of afghanistan but you know my heart goes out especially to the women and the girls and christians who are going to be left in afghanistan and they're going to suffer terribly and we are, you know, there, there are videos, you know, widely circulating all over the internet of how the Taliban treats women. I have seen pictures of women, uh, you know, with in full burqas, you know, thrust into the middle of a circle with hundreds of men around them and they beat these women. And it's, 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 it's devastating. And so we need to pray. And as I was thinking about this, you know, our nation, a lot of people have been asking, you know, is the United States under judgment? Well, we, you guys, I studied the book of Revelation with you last year, about this time, actually, last year, we were going through the book of Revelation. I believe that the Bible teaches that the, the, the signs are, you know, the signs are everywhere that God's return, the return of Jesus is imminent and the church age is going to, is going to come to a close. That's what's going to happen. And, we, you know, the question of, you know, is America under judgment? Well, uh, you, I don't know. You tell me. But we are a nation that is ripe for judgment. The church is ripe for judgment. We know the judgment begins in the house of God, and we're watching us what what can only be described as a shameful moment, honestly, in the life of the church. As we're watching, you know, people using the China virus as an excuse, really, to shame people who want to get, don't want to get the vaccine. I mean, it's just, it's, this isn't, this is a very, very shameful time for the church. And I want us to be uh, mindful that God gets to do what God wants to do. And in Jonah, we see God sending a prophet to a non Jewish nation to warn them of judgment. And God judged sin all throughout scripture. He created tragedies to try to get Israel to repent of their sin. Remember, he sent prophets to warn Israel before the judgments occurred. Because these things are happening. I mean, I think that they are. They're happening right now. And uh, in Jonah chapter one, we read about God coming to Jonah. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And I got to thinking the other day, you know, about all the things that I've been talking about on the show for, you know, years now. And a lot of it has had has centered around our decision, really, as a nation to come against God. And God uses wicked rulers to judge nations. And so what should our response be? The first thing we need to say is just we need to, to confess. We, we, you know, we're ripe for judgment. We have this coming. We've murdered our unborn. We've 
absolutely defamed the institution of marriage. We've embraced things that God said not to embrace. The church is not addressed sin in the way that it needs to. And, and when I say in the way that it needs to, what I mean is we don't, we haven't taken sin seriously in this nation for a long time, but you know who does take sin seriously? God, he does. And so I'm going to answer some of your questions today because you guys, uh, you're sending me awesome questions. So thank you. Keep them coming. But I, I got to thinking about, you know, a nation under judgment. What does it look like to be a nation under judgment? And then how do we respond to that? Based on what I'm seeing in the world, and I've been saying this for a while, you know, there's, it's like a spirit has been unleashed on the world. And a friend of mine said to me years ago, you know, all that God would have to do, he called it abandonment wrath, all that God would have to do to judge any nation, including the United States, would just be to remove his hand of protection and boom, you know, we'll eat, we'll eat our own. We'll turn on ourselves and, and, and a house divided against itself can't stand. And so when we see a nation under judgment, we, we need to pray. We pray on behalf of that nation. We ask the Lord to forgive the sins of the nation, just as Daniel did in Daniel, Daniel chapter nine, uh, Daniel's prayer, one of my favorite prayers, uh, to pray for America. And we need to be praying right now. There's absolutely no question. And as we look around and we see the situation that we're in, it is a wise and good thing for us to turn to scripture and to the lives of men and women who followed God in the midst of suffering, in the midst of judgment on their nation. And there's a beautiful example, and I hope you guys will look it up uh, today in Daniel chapter nine. Um, and he was marked by a heart of prayer. And I read, I read a, um, an article on it, and I thought this was so good, is worth sharing with you. They were saying that there were four things in this chapter that mark a true heart of prayer. There are one, his prayer is rooted in scripture. Two, it revealed it was revealed in confession. Three, he responded by asking God, coming before God uh, and asking for help. And four, receives answers. So the first thing we see is that Daniel's prayer was rooted in scripture. So here's Daniel chapter nine, starting in verse one. In the first year of Darius's reign, who was made over king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years, which was the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, the prophet for the completion of the desolation of Israel, namely 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Darius the Mede was the king who was over all the Chaldeans as part of this uh, Medo-Persian empire under King Cyrus. And we first met this this guy in Daniel chapter five after the fall of Babylon. And remember, this is also the same king that in Daniel chapter six was persuaded to make a decree to cast into a den of lions anyone who made a petition to God or anyone other than Darius during a 30-day period. Well, Daniel, of course, never wavered in the least. Christians, are you listening? Daniel never wavered in the least in his normal practice of prayer to the God of heaven resulting in being cast into the den of lions despite Darius's efforts to circumvent his own foolish law. And I think this is so interesting. There's so many parallels to uh, to what's happening today. You know, we've got 
we've got at least six or seven foolish, foolish laws here in Washington state that just came out of the Washington legislature. And I am hearing reports of these lawmakers who made these stupid laws and then were like, shoot fire. I didn't realize the unintended consequences. And that's kind of how Darius was feeling. He was like, how did I let these guys talk me into this? Now here we are. But God saw it and he rescued Daniel. He rescued him. And we know that Daniel was a man that was committed to prayer. He was also a man who was committed to studying God's word as if it was available to him. You guys, we're used to being able to just access the Bible. But back then, everything had to be copied by hand. We take God's word and our access to it very much for granted in Western civilization. And Daniel, the Bible records, absolutely trusted in God. He trusted God. He knew God. He, he loved him. And to me, as, as we watch what's happening, where are the Daniels? Where are the Deborahs? Where are they? So listen to what the Lord, listen to what Daniel prays. Starting in verse four of chapter nine, I prayed to the Lord, my God, and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we've sinned against you. The Lord, our God, is merciful and forgiving, even though we've rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord or kept the law he gave us through his servants and the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Now, you guys can substitute the United States for Israel here. You could substitute Great Britain. You could substitute almost every nation on the face of the earth. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us. Because we've sinned against you. He comes back to that over and over again. Why is this happening? Because we've sinned against you. Why are we a nation under judgment? Because we've sinned against you. And God is God of love, but he's also a God of justice and a God of wrath. And he's not going to allow us to just spit in his face forever. And we've been saying this for a long time. I don't know why we haven't been suffering sooner. Daniel goes on to say in verse 12, you have fulfilled the word spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. See, Daniel keeps Daniel keeps getting, going back to the root. The root is our rebellion against God. That's the root. Verse 15, now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty, man, with a mighty hand, who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. We have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. 
Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and all your people an object of scorn to all those around us. And so now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes to see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous. Listen to the humility in which he talks to the Lord. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. That's what needs to happen right now. And I wonder, men and women, what our nation would be like if we were truly seeking the Lord this way and truly praying and saying, well, Lord, we've sinned against you because that's 100% where it's at right now. And we need God's help. And the help that we need is not going to come from human beings. It will only, only come from God. So we are, I believe, a nation and a world under judgment right now. Where do we go from here? We go to our knees in prayer. We confess our sins. We ask God for mercy, not because of anything we've done, but because of his great love and because of his mercy. And that's, that is the bottom, that's the bottom line. All right, I'm going to get to a couple of your questions today, hopefully. Yeah, I'm going to try it. We'll see. How much time do I have left? Okay, four minutes. Let's see, let's see what we can do. Abby from Richmond. Heidi, I'm very concerned about the mandated vaccines and erosions of our freedom. Yep, Abby, you and me, I'm right with you. I'm equally concerned with how willing people seem to be in relinquishing their freedoms because they agree with this, not seeming to understand that once freedom is gone, it's gone for everything. My question is, how do we mobilize the masses of people, not just politicians, who are unwilling to give up our freedoms before it's too late? I want to do something, but I don't know what. How can ordinary citizens take back the country? First of all, you're completely right. If we lose on this issue of a mandatory injection, then we completely lose the right to sovereignty over our own bodies. And there's no such thing as freedom if we're not free to determine what's injected or is not injected into us. And I'm sorry, forgive me for not trusting an industry that's financially dependent on whether or not I'm sick. So we have huge, huge, huge issues. So what we have been doing here, and I'm going to continue to do this because I just, I'm a solutions girl. I don't, I'm not, interested in just whining on Facebook for the sake of whining on Facebook. I think we need to be talking about solutions and what we can do. So last Wednesday, you guys uh, might have heard, and I put it up on Facebook, that we did a freedom rally. And I had a lot of people come who have different areas of expertise in different places. And they came with notices of liability and they came with initiatives. And I came armed with, you know, hundreds of forms to help parents in Washington state pull their kids out of the public school system. We got to be looking for solutions. So it's not enough anymore. And I keep telling you guys this, it's not enough to hold the line. I mean, we do have to hold the line, but we hold the line and then we move the line. That's what needs to happen. And so I'm going to be encouraging you start holding these events. See if your church will let you do it where you can, um, you can have initiative, you'd have them sign an initiative 
you know, look for ways that you can help people withdraw their kids from school. How can you be part of a solution and a blessing to the people around you that are suffering right now under these tyrannical and evil, and they are evil, uh, mandates? So I think, you know, I've been saying this for a long time. It's an engaged electorate and active citizenry is what is needed right now. Start showing up. Go to these events. Get up off your couch. Stop being lazy. Because that's where we've been forever. We've just we've just been lazy. And now, uh, now here we are. Tammy from Crescent City said, Heidi, how do you stock up your pantry to be prepared? Where can we find a list of suggestions on how to do that? So I'll, I will link back to a couple of my favorite websites. If you guys have never watched my pantry videos, I did them last year. In the very beginning of the China virus, I did um, a pantry stock up, kind of showed you what I do. I'm a huge fan of having lots of water on hand. And, you know, um, I love like 15 bean soup and things like that. And we have gone, I don't know, for the last six or seven Seven years really worked at coming up with a food storage system. And it's not just for me. It's for my extended family, for anyone. I mean, we're, we're supposed to be ready, not just so we can help ourselves, but so that we can help others. And I think preparing for an emergency is a really good idea for, you know, preparing is good. Panicking is bad. And I feel like I've said this to you guys a whole bunch. And so that's what needs to happen right now. It's preparing is good. Panicking is bad. I don't want to see panic in the ranks of God's people, but we should be prepared. And we, we are listening always for the Lord. Father, what do you want us to do? How can we, how can we be a blessing to those around us? And part of the way that we do that is by getting prepared. So I will link back to some of those things in the show notes for you guys today. Um, and some of the favorite places that I like to go to get um, staples that we're going to last for a long time. But really, I mean, batteries, water, um, dried dried things like rice and beans and things like that. Oh, uh, what's my favorite? Oh, yes, bouillon. Because <laughs> you got to have some flavor. So a lot of these are a lot of the things that we want to encourage you to do. Check out my Instagram stories and you can see what I did just a year ago. All right, you guys, we have some great guests lined up for this week. Can't wait for you guys to come back tomorrow. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Stay in the word of God. Echo Daniel's prayer. If you guys haven't done it already, go to Daniel chapter nine and you can read that prayer out loud. You can pray the scriptures out loud. God is listening and he is saying, come back to me. We love you guys very much. Thanks for leaving reviews for the podcast over at iTunes and for supporting this ministry financially. I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.